0: This edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin welcome the host of The Close-Up with Stephen Cameron. Stephen Cameron. The Magic had been the surprise story within the NBA, and Stephen explains what has led the Magic to be at the top of the Western Conference. This is a great chat. He kind of gets behind the scenes of a team that's really not talked about too much, you know, in the NBA, but now they're making a lot of noise, and Stephen was a great, great guest. So you're going to really, really enjoy this interview, especially if you're an Atlanta Magic fan. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at and follow us on all social media platforms. Hoopsology is presented by Ballist Life. And now, Stephen Cameron. You can hear him on the Close Up Podcast with Stephen Cameron. We welcome Stephen Cameron onto Hoopsology. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. How you all
0: doing? Doing really well. Thanks for coming on to the show. And with our podcast, um, I think we pride ourselves in covering you know, most of the teams, all the teams in the NBA. But I gotta admit, um, the Orlando Magic, we have neglected them, um, but I, when the season started, they were a, definitely a team we wanted to cover and get an expert just to, to break this, how their season's going and how appropriate, because they are um, kind of the toast of the NBA this year so far. and. I just wanted to quote a retweet that you recently uh, posted. Um, nine straight wins at the Amway Center, 11-1 and one in this building. 8-0 when holding a team under 100 points. But with 11 of the next 12 games are against teams with winning records. So I just want to ask you, when entering this season with the Magic, it seems like this is kind of a, a dream run so far. Have they reached your expectations? Is this what you have expected? Or is this kind of a big shock to you?
1: Justin, that's a great question. Um, They've definitely been exceeding my expectations. I knew they were going to be a much improved team. We saw um, evidence of that last year, and then we know the team would only get better at this point, right? So coming into this year, some of the moves that they made, some of the moves they didn't make to kind of keep the team the same you just kind of raise that bar a little bit to what they're going to be and it's like cool i expect you to be a 500 win team and be in the mix for the play in right and make the play in if you don't make the play in that's probably a, a a failure of a season um and for them to be tied with Milwaukee um you know at what's what are they at uh 16 and 7 right now for second in the east and we're 28% done through the uh of the, the nba season and you know they they have significant like there's a thing called like you know you you all know like uh, small sample size we're not real we're kind of getting out of small sample size now so what we're seeing with this team is real they've beaten some really good teams um and they're they're protecting the home court and those are all signs of maturity and a team taking the next step and and they've surpassed my expectations they went on a nine game winning streak which is insane in my opinion that, that they tied a franchise record with that so Justin, yes, I'm having a great time. This is a fantastic season. Uh, it's always great when a team exceeds your expectations in the right direction.
0: How has the team handled the success so far? I'm sure, you know, every team has the expectations of, you know, wanting to be at top of the conference, but you know, for the Magic this is new, you know, being, you know, yeah. the, the leader, you know, not only in the Eastern Conference but in the NBA as an entirety. So, how has the team handled kind of the the newfound success? You know, I'll say
1: not pain-free, but for the most part, really healthy growing pains, right? Um, They added a really vocal um, key veteran to this team and Joe Ingles, who's really made an impact on um, not just on the court, but off the court with kind of helping the team mature. Um, The coach has really done an amazing job, Coach Jamal Mosley, uh, building a culture and a a, a, a true buy-in from every player from top to the player at the bottom of the roster, not getting any playing time. Everyone, as soon as they step on the court, they go out there and fight. But at the same point, you know, they've had some ups and downs, you know, they went during their, their, their win streak at the tail end there when they played the wizards. And then when they played Brooklyn, they, they went from being a a top five defense to one of the bottom defenses in the entire league i think they were ranked at like for you know small sample size but you look at those numbers within those handful of games they were down at the bottom of the league around like 25 or something like that 23 um, in defensive ratings had a good couple of days off during the in-season tournament they're kind of like correcting things they held cleveland back to you know under 100 just last night and you know the the team is going to win with defense in this league. And the reason why I bring that all up with like your question on, have you seen ups and downs and how they're handling the success? I truly think when you see the defensive slips, that's when you can tell that the, like they're kind of like getting too comfortable and that's what you see a lot of younger teams do when they have high success. They get very comfortable and then they start having bad habits. So that's kind of how I'm judging that. You know, they're all saying the right things on camera um, and off camera, you know, from what gets leaked and stuff like that. Um, and, and you know, when we're at media presses and stuff like that. So I, I think they're handling it pretty well. Um, and again, we're 28% into the season. I think they they they've kind of learned, okay, this is sustainable. We can sustain this. Um, you know, I don't know if I expect them to stay in the second and the East, the whole way. Um, there's a lot of really good basketball teams in the Eastern conference, but, um, maturity wise, I think they've taken that next step. I think they've accepted the success that they're having and know what they need to do to continue to sustain, um, winning basketball.
2: So I, I want to rewind just a little bit here, Steven, or or maybe like zoom out and what, what has happened over the last couple of years to build to this season? Because for a stretch, I I don't even know how long it was felt like, maybe 5 plus years i mean after the dwight howard era you know you're looking at a franchise that very much wanted to make the playoffs and seemed to always be in that like 7 to 10 seed range you know before there was the play in tournament at the end of the year so it just seemed like no matter what they're going to push 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 and try to at least make a playoff run which in some ways i appreciate but it kind of felt like they're stuck on that yeah. kind of mediocrity treadmill, so to speak. What what has changed? When do you think uh, a turning point maybe hit that led to this point now?
1: Matt, that's a great question, and I'll try to answer it simply um, because we <laughs> sure. we could spend hours talking about the history of the Magic in this, you know, 10-year post-Dwight segment. Um, you know, they the new front office had uh, come into a rebuild where there was you know 5 years of you know almost 4 or 5 years of failure and mixed emotions with the past GM and a really jacked up cap sheet of uh, you know roster with contracts and stuff that they had to clean up and i think the front office was told when they signed up cool we'll let you do your thing but we want to see you you maximize what we currently have with a handful of players and that you know that's the Vooch era you know Vucevic Aaron Gordon Evan Fournier it was like those three, four years when this front office of Jeff Weltman and at the time John Hammond, um, you know, took over the Magic, they they had to capitalize that as well as start to clear out the roster. Then, you know, we kind of had the the ultimate bad luck run of just multiple years of so many injuries stopping them from per, ever preventing them to to either take a, a step winning wise or or like make a big trade to kind of balance out the roster a little bit more and be more than just a seventh, eighth seed type team. Um, tear the team down, trade Vooch, trade AG, trade Evan, just, you know, complete start over. And I think what's, and we know the story at that point, right? You draft Franz and Suggs. Those are really good picks. Um, you know, Suggs took a little bit longer to figure that out. You You get some good role players with like Cole Anthony, Um, you, they're drafting high character guys, guys that are not going to have any issues off the court that want to show up and work every day. We don't have some of the off court drama that some of the other young teams do with, you know, no disrespect. There's some really good players on these teams, but like, you know, the Rockets have had some issues with some stuff. The Mm -hmm. Charlotte Hornets have had some issues there. Like we're, we're not having those types of problems with our rebuild. And then, you know, you strike gold with, with someone like Paulo who, you know, comes in and from day one, you can tell he's a franchise cornerstone. You strike gold with Franz Wagner with pick seven, right? Or, or yeah, yeah, he was the seventh pick, right? Who also 20 point per game, you know, 6'10 wing that can dribble pass and shoot, right? It's, it's just like you, they they haven't had too many mistakes in the last couple of years. They haven't been perfect, right? We, we've had project players on this team with, with Bull Bull and Mo Bamba and RJ Hampton, those guys are gone. We all now have like high IQ basketball players that know how to make the right choices. We don't have these like raw projects that have to be kind of molded and shaped over five, six years to eventually be what they should be. Right. Um, the turning point, you know, obviously Paulo, but I think even before that is like making the right picks um, two years ago with, with Jalen Suggs and uh, Franz Wagner who are now in, you know, year three and four or sorry, year three. Um so that's, I think the Franz pick is really, can really do it. And also I I can't disrespect coach Mosley. They hired, he's not the best X's and O's coach in the world, right? He's had some growing pains along the years, but man, he, he built the system. He built a culture and they have bought in from, from year one. Um, And you're seeing it now like pay off completely. So um, I Long story, less long. That's kind of like it in a nutshell. We could we can go on any lane within there to to deep dive more, but those are like some of the key checkpoints and key elements to where we're at now.
2: No, that's a great description, and I think in hearing you say that too, I I think there are a lot of similarities between the Magic and the Rockets specifically because both hit on on those picks. You know, both have been positively impacted by their coaching, uh, as well as both relying more heavily on their defense, I think, than other teams in the league. And I think with the Magic, that is one of the main things that gives me hope in them. You know, like you said, maybe they're not going to maintain the two seed throughout the year, but sure. in I, I think you can overachieve in this league if you are one of those teams that is just putting in the effort night in and night out. From what you're seeing, I, I mean, is, is that a factor of these guys growing together as a core the belief in coach mosley i mean a combination of all those things what are you seeing that jumps out from night to night in that consistency
1: it's both i mean they've they've just bought in right the front office has a type of wanting to draft and build defensive players with with high iqs that can pass and share the ball they're building a system offensively where anyone can can bring the ball up the court and, and almost you know any player can get the, the team into their offensive systems and sets um which is really cool and, and really allows you know for good development for everyone um and allows also like mix and match but like it really is like a buy-in system you you hear any almost any interview that happens from a player or a coach um and it the tone is always just they're bought into the system everyone's goal is winning you have unselfish players right now that don't care if you know you don't see a lot of like guys trying to prove themselves on the court right they're they've they've bought into their roles um and and it's it's next man up with this team and and that's how they all truly believe and they truly want to win for each other and and these these are good happy vibes that you love with young teams because it doesn't always stay that way um but Mm -hmm. but right now you you have the star players playing like stars which always helps right um and then you know you have the role players bought into their to their roles and it's it's cool because you know matt you, you brought up the the comparison between us and the rockets and yeah we're two very young teams that are having success but a lot of the success not a lot some success that have come with the rockets have been been adding some really key vets that are playing huge That's rotation true. minutes for them, right? Fred Van Viet and Dylan Brooks. Um, we our vets is a 26-year-old, uh, or sorry, a 36-year-old in Joe Ingalls, who gets like 16 minutes a night, and then Gary Harris, who is also like 27, coming off the bench as well. We're we're being led by um a second and third year player in Paulo and Franz. We have um, a third year player is a shooting guard in Jalen Suggs. And Hey, we haven't said this at all yet on this, on this podcast, we're missing two starters. Wendell Carter and Markel <laughs> Fultz, right? <who laughs> have been gone since game five. Uh, we're winning with third stringers in our second unit or in our starting unit with, with, um, uh, uh, Anthony black and, and Goga Patadze. So it's just like, it's a culture, man. And and again, that's a long answer, but it, it truly is a culture and a buy-in from top down. Um, you know, and it's it, it it helps to buy in when your coach is physically playing in scrimmages with the team and doing physical drills because he's kept himself in such good shape and is an ex basketball player. And like you see scrimmages with we're well, not scrimmages, but you know, one on one drills and small group drills with him in it with the team, which is really cool. So it's just a bunch of buy-in and people wanting to be the best they can for this team, which is really cool.
2: No, great points. And I think one of the things you also see with the Magic is, like like you were alluding to there, I mean, they run usually at least 10 deep in a lot of their games and guys getting significant minutes across the board. Do you think that's a, a factor of the youth in, in that they're willing to share that time a little bit more because, you know, I mean, you take like a veteran team, like maybe the Lakers or, um, you know, a team that's maybe more, I I don't know, established maybe to put it in, in the last couple of years. Um, and that might be something disastrous for the chemistry. Why do you think the magic are able to do that? And also is that, a, a part of their success. I mean, are they able to stay a little bit more fresh that way and give that hustle and energy?
1: It's, it's, it's the same style that that coach has run the last couple of years. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when this team finally got healthy last year, he was running a 10 man rotation until like the, you know, the, the play in push at the end of the season, when they were attempting to win the last like 10, 12 games, um, on a real serious note, they tightened to a nine man rotation at that point. Um, I think it's just the current system that they're having and yes, it helps that this team is deep and um you know have a lot of versatility within each position. It's like how do you not try and find time for for um you know J- uh, J- Jonathan Isaac, right? When but you also have him playing next to J- Joe Ingles who is having a huge impact on this team even at 36. Um and Mo Wagner who is one of the best scoring big man off the bench in the entire league right now. And so it's like, you just have too many guys that are contributing in such a high level for this team that you can't, you can't take them off the court um, to an extent. Like that second unit would crumble um, to an extent if you took Joe Ingles off the court. Um, he just does so much for them offensively. Flip side of that, you take Jonathan Isaac off the court, they that second unit crumbles defensively. So it's like, you need everyone to kind of function at this moment. I'm sure they will tighten the rotation when this season gets a little bit deeper. And, you know, maybe we're in the last quarter really trying to tighten up for the playoffs, but, but right now success is working. Um, It'll be a little interesting. Like there's debate within magic fans right now when Wendell Carter and Markel Fultz come back, like, how do you keep Goga off the court? He has been so, so good in that starting unit. Are we going to see 11 man rotation? Personally, I hope not, but those are like some thoughts going into the magic community right now, just because this team is playing so well and it's so deep at the moment.
2: Kind of a great problem to have in (laughs) in some ways. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It uh,
0: might be unfair to say this just because of the, the starting lineup, not resembling what was going to enter the season, but you know, with the magic doing so well, I mean, the natural inclination is to have high expectations heading into the playoffs. So, you know, looking at this team, as as best you can you know predicting how it will look headed towards like march april what are kind of things that you're seeing within like the eastern conference that like you're seeing from the magic now that they'll need to tighten up in order for them to remain at the top of the conference and maybe be in contention for maybe a home court spot
1: yeah man home court's gonna be hard no matter what man like we know the bucks are coming and they're already here. I mean, we're tied with them, right? Sure. Um, We know the 76ers are a real threat too. At some point, those teams are going to continue to tighten up. The trade deadline might shake some things out for, I mean, us too, as a team, you know, there, there might be a move or two that we make, but we know those the teams that are really trying to win are going to make some moves too. Um, You know, Atlanta could be another team that like has this, you know, a good run that comes in them makes, makes a makes a, a, another move or New York, you know, there's all, all teams are always kind of like picking at the trade deadline to try and take that step to be in that contention thing where the magic, they're probably not going to make a, a big splashy trade. Maybe they do a small consolidation to kind of clean up the bottom of the roster a little bit, open up a spot or two, um, and, and maybe get another vet in or something like that. But I don't think we're going to go see like this, massive trade, this, this current deadline. Um, so what they need to do to, I'll say at least stay within like the top five Um, you know, being that four or five fight towards the end of the season, like they have to stay a top five defense. They're not going to, they don't have the offense to back them up. I mean, right now we are technically ranked 16 um, in the league at that, uh, you know, offensively, but, we also know hello my cat says hi for anyone watching video. Um we we also know that we don't have shooters on this team. Maybe that could change at the deadline but 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 we you know, like they have to win through their def- their their defense, right? Their offense comes from good defense, right? They get points in transition, they attack the paint. Um and a lot of that comes from grabbing rebounds and pushing the pace. So like if our defense stays high, that's going to promote good offense. So we have to stay a top five defense in order to stay somewhat respectable offensively. And that's going to be the key to success. In my opinion, um, to be, you know, within the top four five and six, kind of stay out of that play in section of the playoffs. Um, and, you know, whether it's home court, or just being a playoff team without the plan would be a huge success. And also just staying healthy. We have a lot of guys like, You know, Jonathan Isaac and Jalen Suggs go out. Those are both guys that have had injury histories like this. The defense could slip pretty big because there are defensive anchors. So um, top five defense, semi like league average offense and health. Those are the three things that we need to do to stay, um, you know, out of that play and race and into the playoff race.
2: Steven, you already mentioned kind of your your thoughts on how the trade deadline might go, uh, which I think is perfectly reasonable. Looking at the roster, do you see any any big needs right now? I mean, with you guys being so deep, you've got good play from the bigs, you've got good perimeter defense, you've got some pretty good uh, contributions like all around from the guards. I mean, I I would say maybe like the biggest need might be point guard, but we have to wait on Fultz as well. So it's kind of a tough call. And then you, as you know, I mean, bringing in a point guard is, is like no small order when you're trying to have continuity on a team, but I guess long question short, where, where do you see the biggest needs for this team moving forward? Even if that's not at the trade deadline right now?
1: Yeah, no, great question. I mean, shooting. First of all, like that's Hmm. the thing we've all been yelling from top to bottom. Like we need shooting. We need guys when Paulo and Franz drive and decide to kick instead of attack the basket, they need guys that can hit open shots. Right. And so that's going to come, excuse me. That's, 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 you know, a guy that's like kind of on my target list, you know, either for a trade or like an off season, like acquisition is like, let's go get buddy healed. We need a, a guy that can put up six, seven, eight attempts, from three naturally without like having to have high um, usage rate to get those off and, and hit them at a, you know, 38, 39, 40% clip rate. That's that's kind of like a big thing that's going to really unlock this offense is getting a shooter with that type of gravity on this team, you know. Um, and then the other thing, I mean, you, you kind of hit it like Markel Fultz. Um, I like Markel Fultz. He's a really good point guard. This is not like an anti-Markel Fultz comment I'm about to make, but he is a higher usage point guard. And we are seeing how much sic- offense success we are having where the ball is flowing a bit more and being allowed to the offense is allowed to set up a little bit more natural, uh, yeah, uh not naturally, but just within anyone's hands can kind of set up the offense. And so you sort of do got to ask yourself the question, like we bring back more Kyle Fultz. He definitely keeps us more organized in certain situations, but is he the long-term answer when we're seeing the success that we're having right now with this type of ball movement um and whatnot, could we could we use someone more at that position that maybe is not as good as a ball handler, but can also shoot the ball a little bit better from three and just be a little bit more diverse offensively in that in that way? Um, so you do got to ask that question, particularly with his contract being up at the end of the season, and we haven't given him an extension yet. I do think there's that question mark there. Um, you know, we also drafted Anthony Black, who is three inches taller than Markel Fultz. And, uh, in my opinion, already, like, if not as good, maybe even better defender than Markel Fultz. So, um, He's he needs a, he's got a ways to go offensively though to be fully transparent. So yeah, that's a question probably one you got to decide a little bit later. I think Jalen Suggs has definitely prioritized himself as the bigger impactful player between him and Fultz. So now it's like, can this team win with both of them together? If not, my perspective, you hold on to Jalen Suggs and you find an upgrade or a better fit—not an upgrade, just a better fit—and Mark Health in the point guard position with Markel Fultz. And maybe that guy's on our team with, with Anthony black. I'm not sure. Um, he's a rookie. He's still pretty raw, but those are kind of like my addresses, like shooting. Let's figure out what we got with Markel Fultz and go from there. Um, yeah. And then also like, like much lower on the priority list, you kind of got to think about center in another year or two. Um, I love Wendell Carter. He's great but He misses time every single season. He he plays like you know 80, 85 games every single season. Um, you gotta question, is he the right person long term? But he's on such a good contract right now, like you, that's a problem for another year or two. So
0: Steven, I wanna ask you the temperature of just the Atlanta Magic fan base. We like to ask our experts, like, what is the kind of fan reaction like in each particular NBA city? Like, how do they feel about the Magic? I mean, Matt mentioned just, you know, kind of the recent struggles of the Magic previously um, and them just kind of going through this phase where, you know, they're having huge success now. What is kind of their feelings or expectations for the Magic overall? Are they kind of um just... You know yearning for a championship or are they patient are they willing just to kind of see the kind of process play out
1: yeah justin great question um i'll tell you one thing ticket prices have gone up and that's a good thing there's so much more demand and attention for this team right now than the last couple of years there's there there's good positive energy going on right now we're kind of in that like happy phase where it's like yes winning needs to happen but I think we're okay with taking that next organic step and not going from like zero to like, Hey, we need to win a championship this year. Right. Um, You know, there might be some more, I hate the word casual, but people that don't are not diehard nerding out on the team. That might be a little bit like have unrealistic expectations, but I think anyone who's like halfway educated on, on kind of where this team is at can kind of understand prove yourself that you're a playoff team, make some noise, learn from that. And then, you know, another year or two, let's get those championship expectations out. Um, Because it's just like pretty unrealistic to be a true title contender with guys year two, three, three, four, you know, as your leaders, you kind of need them to get a little bit more experience. And the only way to do that is through the playoffs. Um, Magic fans are happy. The city is buzzing. Um, People are excited. This is like, that dream year that everyone wants to have with a young team where it's like, this is so fun. They're young. They're winning. Like if they make a mistake and lose a couple games, that's okay because mostly they're winning and it's being led by youth. So at, the city's buzzing. Um, people are, you're seeing Paulo and Franz jerseys running around every now and then you even see a Joe Ingles jersey, which is cool. makes me happy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good time in Orlando and and Orlando magic fans are like truly buying into this team. The arena is like, some of the loudest I've ever heard it in years, which is really cool.
2: What's that dynamic like between the magic and the heat fans or between those franchises? I mean, is there like a legit in-state rivalry there? I know, I know the heat have had more success as a franchise overall, but is, is there kind of like, you know, I don't know, like a red Sox Yankees kind of thing. I mean, maybe not to that epic of a level, but, but what's it like between those fan bases?
1: You know, uh it's
2: funny you ask that. Um
1: Magic fans I think hate Heat fans more than Heat fans hate Magic fans. Um because we've always kind of been looked at like you know, outside of the couple of runs as like the second fiddle in the state, um which is how much more success Miami has had. Um and also like Miami fans travel like Orlando is such a transient city when Miami had any form mm. of success they just flood our they flood our arena and it's a really easy road trip for diehards to make too to come from Miami to Orlando. So like oh, Miami Orlando game there's been years where Miami Heat chants are are louder than Orlando Magic chants and it's like that gets really frustrating. Magic fans love to like you know be in the mentions and 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 mess with them and you know they'll give it back to us too. Um my opinion I think it's all good and fun. Uh you know just just good good humor between two you know like like healthy there, I think we have more unhealthy rivalries with other fan bases. Um, I think the Magic team get up a little bit harder for Miami, you know, just because they are in state. Um, mm. I don't know how much of a rivalry it is with that team right now. Um, but, you know, I think the Magic team always want to get up a little bit harder for anyone that's, that's playing within Florida so they can be the Florida team, you know?
2: You mentioned other teams. I, I gotta follow up. Who who else are the magic beefing with?
1: <laughs> the magic beat with the Celtics right now. The players okay. do
2: for sure.
1: Um, mostly because of Eddie House made some funny comments last year about the team. Oh. And, oh. and and he never seems to want to like own up for them. Um and he just continues to 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 lean into those comments more. So like the fans and the magic players uh both like get big up for Celtics games right now. We've won four in a row. This weekend's pretty big because we actually play um, Boston on Friday in Boston and on Sunday. So big weekend for the Orlando magic and, uh, and Boston Celtics. If you want to find some drama, just tune into the Orlando magic uh, Twitter, Twitter world. Um, You'll, you'll have some fun there. Um,
2: I'm totally oblivious. I I'm going to tune in now for sure. (laughs) Little,
1: little rivalry with Boston or with uh, Toronto Raptors too. Um, mm-hmm. the whole like Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner thing. Um, definitely with the fans, probably a little bit with you can tell Jalen Suggs gets up a little bit harder for that for that game too. Um Rockets, I wouldn't say team-wise, there's a rivalry there, but our fans definitely like to to be in the mentions of Rockets teams, uh, you know, fan bases again young up and coming team kind of kind of thing is kind of like where we kind of poke around as a fan base um but yeah i'd say boston right now is probably like our biggest rival as far as like the team that the players get up for and the team that the fans
0: get up for too now that's really interesting and and hopefully i think that's healthy for the league is to have these rivalries for sure for sure Um, it's fun it definitely makes it more fun in my opinion totally i'll let you go with this um the in-season tournament's over. Just want to get your thoughts on like positive, negative, thumbs up, thumbs down. What kind of your overall thoughts of this kind of first year experiment? Thumbs Two up. thumbs
1: up. I yeah. loved it. It was a lot of fun. Um, can't can't. Oh, I have fireworks behind my head with the double <laughs> thumbs up. That's fun. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can really go wrong with the in-season tournament right now. They, I mean it, it provided better intensity in, in games. Um, it, it definitely created a buzz around the league um fans turned tuned in magic had a nice little run they need to make some you know i think they gained some good valuable information this season to to make some adjustments for the future seasons but i'm excited i was bought in from game one from day one when they announced it like can't wait to see how they make some tweaks along the way but right now i think it's it's already a good time um
0: and i'm looking forward to to next year's already Awesome. Stephen, this has been a fantastic chat. Killer audience know where they can find you on social media, the podcast that you're on, any else you're um, focused on as well for the new year.
1: Yeah. Um, I am Stephen Cameron. You can find me directly on X at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-0610. Um, that is my 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 uh, my account. I do content under Orlando Magic HQ. Um, they are at OMagic oh HQ on Twitter and I think Orlando Magic HQ and all the other platforms. Um, and we cover the team from top to bottom. We have multiple different podcast shows, mine called the close up. <clears throat> then you have the like the, the flagship Orlando Magic HQ with my partners Al and Anthony. Um, we have reporters at every home game. We do post-game articles after every single game. Um, we'll do deep dive articles. We just had an exclusive interview with Goga Patadze um, with one of our lighters named Luke Scoche, who also, uh, he writes with us and also does some Boston sports coverage. Um, so we're we're the content home for Orlando Magic News that is not paid media by, you know, some other big backed um, flagship. And, and that's where you can find me and my work.
0: Awesome. This has been a fantastic chat. Thanks for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin and Matt. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Hoopsology presented by Ball's Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review at iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.